Good morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning and speak to you guys. As Sam said, my name is Ryan. I'm on the clergy team here at HTB, and we are in part three of a series looking at reconciliation. So if you have a Bible with you, why don't we jump straight in? Turn to page 36 in your Bibles. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 32, which is in page 36 in the church Bibles. It's also going to come up on the screen as well. And hey, while you're finding that, if, you're, if this is your first time in church or you're new, um, we're really glad you're here. I'm really excited to see you. It would be less fun without you. Um, and in fact, why don't you just quickly, just really quickly, just humor me for a bit and turn to your neighbor and just say, you are so blessed to be sitting next to me. <laughs> Amen. Hey, in fact, in fact, Why don't you turn to your other neighbor, don't let them feel left out, and say, neighbor, you are my second choice, but you're blessed too. Okay, now I'm a bit of an external processor, we've got a bit of scripture to get through, and they told me to be really tight on the timing, so I'm going to try and get through this all in one go, without stopping. Genesis 32, starting at verse 17, here we go. He instructed the one in the lead... I've got to stop there real quick because you need to know what's happening in the story right now. We are looking at Jacob and he is preparing to meet with his brother Esau, who he hasn't seen in 21 years. That is over two decades. And he is preparing to reconcile with his long estranged brother Esau. And he's getting his squad together. He's getting the I Heart Esau t-shirts printed, ready to be made, ready to receive Esau. And watch what he does. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you and asks, who do you belong to and where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? That was his way of appeasing his brother. Then you're to say, they belong to your servant, Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third and all the others who followed the herds, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him and be sure to say, your servant Jacob, mention me, is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. And later when I see him, perhaps after all this, this spectacle, perhaps then he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts, everybody say gifts, gifts. Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. I want you to turn to your neighbor one more time and tell them my title. And as you do it, I want you to channel the spirit of 90s R&B legend Mariah Carey and say, we belong together. That's my title, we belong together. Father, I pray that you be with me as I speak. Would you anoint these lips of clay to preach your word? Holy Spirit, come and fill this place and meet with every single one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I'm so excited to be preaching with you today. It's crazy that I I get to speak to you because I didn't grow up believing in God. I didn't grow up as a Christian. In fact, I thought God was outdated, irrelevant, had nothing to do with my life. But then... At university, I met some friends who were Christian and they had something so attractive and I wanted that. 
And they told me about Jesus and I was like, I've seen the stained glass windows, I know about Jesus, but I didn't know that he actually was real. I didn't know he was a real person, that he actually existed. And I became compelled at this evidence of the historical figure of Jesus. And after some months of exploring and investigating, I came to the conclusion that it was real, that Jesus was who the Bible says he was, he was who he claimed to be. And I began a relationship with Jesus. But like I said, I didn't grow up believing in God. My family weren't necessarily a Christian family. My dad is, there they are, look at that, 90s represent, come on. My dad is from India, famous for its wonderful beaches and cricket team and delicious curry. And my mum is from Sri Lanka, famous for its wonderful beaches and cricket team and delicious curry. My mum was actually the, the runner-up of the Miss Sri Lanka pageant before I was born. Now she hates it when I talk about it. She really does, she wants me to move past this bit of the talk real quick. So here's a picture of my mom as the runner up in the Miss Sri Lanka. <laughs> wow. But I was born in Tooting in Southwest London. Anyone else in from South London today? Make some noise. They're, they're a shy bunch, our South Londoners. We're shy. We're shy. But hey, there is, there's one person I haven't told you about in my family yet up to this point, and that is my younger brother, Reese. My younger brother, Reese. He's a couple years younger than me. I think we got a picture of the two of us when we were kids. There we are, look at that. He's on top. I'm driving the car. Don't let him forget that. I was driving. Because, hey, you know, I know what you're thinking. Two, two young males in the same household. You must have a really strong sibling rivalry. And hey, it's 2019. I believe we're, we're way past these, these old social constructs. We live in a postmodern society. We don't, we don't do sibling rivalry. But now you mention it. It's real funny because I went home. To, I moved out of home a couple of years ago. And I went home to my mum. Um, my parents divorced when I was 10. It was a really messy, messy divorce. Um, and my mum remarried um, my, my stepdad, Kieran, who is Irish. We have an Irish family now. And I went home to my mum and stepdad's house last weekend, just to give you an illustration of what family life is like for me. And I went home and I found on the mantelpiece of my mum's living room, straight as you walk in the door, this photo of um, my graduation ceremony placed in, in pride of place on the mantelpiece. And you might be thinking, Ryan, that's so sweet that your mum would honour you in such a way as to magnify your accolades in front of the whole world to see when they come into the house. But you didn't see the full photograph. That was my graduation photo. Take a, pic take a look at the full mantelpiece with my brother's graduation photo. <laughs> Mine's on the left. You might need your magnifying glass. That's me, little smiling one. That is my brother, Reese, who just graduated. And in fact, I, after I graduated uni, I wanted to work in musical theatre. That was the industry I was set to work in. I wanted to be a musical theatre composer. I wanted to write musicals. Now, my brother's not here today, and that's because he's at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival right now with a musical theatre piece that he composed. Where'd you get that idea from, bro? Hands up, who's got siblings here? A show of hands, who's got siblings? Yeah, and, and hands up, who is an only child here? Ooh. And hands up, who hates putting their hands up in church? Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about me and my brother Reese, it got me thinking about Jacob and Esau. You know, they were the OG sibling rivals, long before Ryan and Reese or... Venus and Serena, or Mufasa and Scar, or 
Ant and Dec, they're brothers, don't tell me they're not, come on, was Jacob and Esau. And they were, they couldn't have been more different, but the Bible says even in their mother's womb, they were fighting, they were wrestling, the Bible says, even in their mother's womb. And as, and they were twins. And in that culture, to be the firstborn meant a lot. You got two things with that. You got the birthright, the inheritance, which if your dad was as bougie as, I, um, as Jacob and Esau's dad was, then that meant you got a lot of money. That was the birthright. But then there was also the blessing. And whoever was first would get both of those things. And we read that Esau was born first. And Jacob, who was a few seconds behind him, we read, grabbed the heel of his brother as he was coming out of the womb. Little baby JJ grabbing the heel of his brother. In fact, that's what Jacob means. It means heel grabber. That's where his name comes from. It means heel grabber. And they couldn't have been more different when they were growing up. Esau was his dad's favorite son, and Jacob was his, his mom's favorite son. They played favorites. And Esau, the Bible says, was hairy, and he was an outdoorsman. He loved hunting. Whereas Jacob, the Bible said, he had smooth, soft skin, and he liked to stay at home among the tents, which translates as he liked to stay at home and watch reruns of The Crown on Netflix with his mom. They were two complete opposites. And in the story we just read, they are 21 years apart. 21 years apart. And Jacob is trying to reconcile. But as we look at this journey, I believe there are three points that God teaches us about reconciliation in relationships. You see, and if you're taking notes today, write this down. God wants, everybody say once, once. God wants relationship for you. God wants you to be in relationship. I know some of you are like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the preach I came. But I'm not just talking about you finding Bay. God wants us to be in community. You know, even right from Genesis chapter one, Adam and Eve, God, before Eve comes, God says it is not good for man to be alone. God wants us to be in community. That was his original design for us. And here's my first point that we see from this story. God wants you to be in relationship with God with God. That is the first relationship God wants for each and every one of us sitting here today. You see, the passage we read, Jacob is preparing to, to put out his gifts in front of him. How many of us live life like that? We put out our gifts, our strength. We think we can achieve what we want and hustle and grind because that, that's what the world tells us to do. And we can get what we want in our own strength, just like Jacob did. But how many of you know that you can do so much more in God's strength than you could ever do in your own? And as Jacob prepares to meet Esau, watch what happens further on in the story. It says, and in verse 22, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, as in his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions, all of the gifts, all of the stuff. And watch this. So Jacob was left alone. How many of you know that God will do his best work in your life when you're left alone with him, when you can hear his voice clearly? And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, most scholars 
believed that this man was some form of the pre-incarnate Jesus, that this man was God himself, and God himself intercepted Jacob as he was on his way. And I believe today God is intercepting some of us here today as we are going on our way. And watch what happens. They wrestled till daybreak. Jacob, 97 years old at this point, by the way. The Bible says his hip was dislocated. I'm like, yeah, he was 97. And he was wrestling with God all night. Because before we do anything for God, God wants us to be in relationship with him. That is always first. God wants to be the first. He wants to be your ride or die. He wants to be your number one. But that is so countercultural for us today in 2019. You see, we put ourselves at the center of our lives. We live in a what about me generation with our iPhones and our iPads and our iCloud. No wonder it's raining all the time in the UK. We put ourselves first, but... How many of you know that if God is not first in your life, something else will be? Something else will be. You see, for a long time, I didn't get that. I wasn't in relationship with God. And I don't know what it, you know, and I turned to so many other things to fill that void, but things that could never satisfy. And I don't know what it might be for you here today. It might be your job or money or relationships or what people say about you. But we are putting things in places in our lives that were never meant to carry the weight that we are putting on them. God wants to be first in your life. And so the man wrestled with Jacob. And hey, they wrestled all night. They got a good 12 rounds in. They were going all night. Jacob got some good shots in. And how many of you believe God got some good shots in? Because he was God. And he, they're going, Anthony Joshua got nothing on this, on this match. And they wrestled. But then something funny happens. Something funny. Watch this. I want you to see this. Then the man said, this is verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. You see, Jacob had tried his whole life grabbing at heels. He even, earlier on in this story, we don't have time to read it now, tries to take Esau's Esau's birthright, the first thing that I told you about, the birthright. And he, when Esau comes back one day and he swaps it in the, possibly the worst trade deal I've ever heard of, swaps it for a bowl of soup and he gives away his birthright. Jacob has tried getting blessings from other sources, other sources, but now the heel grabber has grabs hold of the one thing that matters. He grabs hold of God himself and says, I will not go until you bless me. Until you bless me. But then the story keeps going. And something really funny happens. I can't quite get my head around this. You see, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then the man asked him, verse 27, what is your name? And that sounds like a strange time to do introductions during your wrestling match. But you see, that was not the first time that Jacob had been asked this question. The first time was in Genesis 27. A few chapters earlier, he had already got the birthright by this point, and now he's trying to get the second thing that came with being the firstborn, which was the blessing. And, and Isaac, his dad, is coming to the end of his life, he's lying in bed, and he's, he's old, he's blind, he can't even see, and Jacob decides to get the blessing by pretending to be Esau, his brother. And he even puts on some, some goat skin because Esau was hairy and Jacob was smooth skin, so he puts on goat skin so that his, brother, so his dad, when he touches him, would think... That's, that's Esau. And he even sprays, sprays Esau's cologne all over him. So he looks and smells 
like Esau. And his dad, Isaac, asked him for the first time in his life, who are you? What is your name? And Jacob replies, I am Esau. I am Esau. And how many of us go around not receiving and living in the identity that God has given us, but trying to be someone else, to impress someone else, to get the blessing, to get the approval, to get the affirmation. And you know, God's been really speaking to me about this. Even today, as I prepared to speak, Ryan, God was like, Ryan, you know, I was saying to God, God, I could, I could try and be like Esau and, and get the blessing and do it like people I've seen do it before. And God said, but would you be okay with who I made you to be? Would you be okay being who I made you to be? Imperfect as you are, but his power is made perfect in our weakness. You know, it is so easy in today's world to try and get the blessing by putting on Esau's clothes, to impress people, to get validation, because secretly we feel like we're not good enough. What if they discovered that? And so we put on Esau's clothes. But the crazy thing is that Jacob gets the blessing by trying to pretend to be Esau. And I ask God, why would you give him the blessing? But the crazy thing is that Jacob gets the blessing, but now Esau has got him on his hit list. And Jacob can't even live in the house. And for 21 years, he's on the run. May I submit to you here today at the 9.30 that you can get the blessing in the wrong way and not be able to live with it anyway. That, you, that if you're getting the blessing, you're chasing after things in one season that in the next season, you'll be running away from. He couldn't even live in the house for 21 years. You know, you'll be chasing after things that in one season, you'll be running away from in the next. How easy is it to pretend to be someone you're not, to get into a relationship with someone you were never meant to get into a relationship with, only to discover that that was the wrong relationship for you and try to run away from it, but it's too late? Or work... 16 hours a day trying to impress your boss who's trying to impress their boss who's trying to impress their boss who's trying to impress their boss anyway only to be completely emotionally bankrupt for the family you were trying to provide for in the first place you can get the blessing but in the wrong way and not be able to live with what you got anyway you see my bible says that we were made as God's handiwork one translation says we are God's masterpiece We are God's masterpiece, that our identity is secure, that we were made for a purpose, on purpose. But how many of you know that wherever there's a masterpiece, there's always a counterfeit? Something that looks like the thing it was created to be, but it's just an imitation. And it's so easy to, to walk around looking like the thing that God had meant you to be, but only the painter knows the difference, only the creator knows the difference. And I believe God is asking us today, would you be okay with who I made you to be? And Jacob, for the second time now, when the man asks him, who are you? He says, I'm Jacob. Yeah, I'm a heel grabber, but I'm not gonna let one mistake define my identity. I've I've deceived and I've manipulated my way into some things, but I am Jacob. And watch this, as soon as he stops wanting a new identity, God reveals his true identity and says, you will, now lo- you will now be called Israel. Jacob meant heel grabber, but Israel means wrestled with God. God wants you to be in relationship with him and then 
He wants you to be in relationship with yourself. He wants you to be reconciled to yourself. And then my final point, God wants you to be in relationship with others. Now Jacob is ready to go and reconcile with his brother. Now that he's stopped trying to do things in his own strength, in his own way, how he knows how to do, he's let God go before him. My Bible says that he will make straight your paths. And he's ready to be reconciled with Esau. But the funniest thing happens. You know, Jacob goes through all this effort. But verse 4 of chapter 33, after all this, the Bible says, not Jacob ran and hustled his way to this, but Esau ran to meet Jacob in chapter 33, verse 4, and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Esau ran to meet Jacob. The thing that Jacob was trying to achieve in his own strength, Esau runs to him. You see, when you do God's will, God's way, the things that you are chasing after will run to you. That's good news for us here. We don't need to do things in our own strength anymore because God has gone before us. And it would be easy for me to just, to just preach from what I know from this story because I think it's really clear, but God's been speaking to me in my own life about what is possible when you let him go before you. You see, I mentioned before my parents were divorced. My parents were divorced. They divorced when I was about 10 and for about 13 years, they couldn't be together. In fact, at my graduation, they couldn't even be kept in the same room. I had to split them apart and it got to the point in my life after 13 years of birthdays and Christmases where I was like, God, I cannot do this anymore. And if you've lived with broken relationships, you know the pain. By the way, if you ever want to see a messed up family, look at Jesus's family. His great, 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 great mother was a prostitute and his great, 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 great granddad was an adulterer and a murderer. And one time his mom comes home and says, I'm pregnant to his dad, but you're not the father. Like, you don't need to binge watch EastEnders anymore. Just read the Bible. So Jesus gets your pain if you're here today knowing what broken families feel like. But I I didn't believe that God could do it in my family. Like I believed in his word it was possible that he could reconcile, but I didn't believe it was possible for, for me, for my family. I didn't have the, the faith to believe that. But I started praying at the point it got too much, at the point that I tried, like Jacob, to do things in my own strength, in my own way. I tried and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. It's got too much for me to take. The burden is too heavy. But God, please, I need you to help. 13 years my family were apart. Couldn't even be in the same room at my graduation. But three weeks ago, after a long time of prayer, three weeks ago we went to my brother's graduation. And for the first time, we were able to be there as a family. Mum, dad, stepdad, me and my younger brother. We even took this selfie together. That is us, because God restored our family. He's making all things new. You know, we're going to celebrate communion in a bit. We're going to celebrate communion, which is a symbol, a reminder of the reconciliation that we have received thanks to Jesus' death on the cross. You see, Jesus' cross is your past, it's your present, and it's your future. It's past because 2,000 years ago, God himself made himself known and died on a cross. His blood was shed for you so that you could be in right relationship with God. It's your present because here today, you can experience the love of God. You can experience forgiveness. You can experience new life. 
And it is your future because I believe God wants to do more in your life than you have seen him do up till this point. There is always more. What if God is true to his word? What if he is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? Mm -hmm.